Hello everyone, welcome back to Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. It's the last broadcast from your apartment ever. Yes. Well, maybe. Oh, maybe not. We might be able to sneak one in. We might be able to sneak one in, but yes, in the process of moving out, there's boxes everywhere. There might be a little bit of an echo. Sorry, not sorry. If you want a better sounding podcast, feel free to record one yourself. That's right. As always. We always Um, make that offer. Yes. (laughs) Um... So, here's the deal. Really quick, just want to talk. We got to hand out the awards from last week. Delaware game, one of the more unforgettable seat games of the season. We're going to look back on the 2019-2020 season and forget the Delaware game. Yeah, I think you meant to say it was one of the more forgettable games. Yeah. It was not unforgettable. Yeah, that's what I meant. By any sense. That's what I meant. That's yes. what I meant, just for pure clarity. Yeah, so all we're going to do is hand out awards, and then we're moving on. Let's do it. Justin Moore. Um, wait, you're not giving it to Dylan Painter? He is <laughs> the, he is the, the, the Shaq artist, Fit Man player of the week. The Dylan artist, Painter. The artist was not allowed to play, missed being allowed to play by like eight hours. Yes, killer. That's when the Delaware season ended. But I won't get to the awards because no one gives a shit about Delaware. Everyone wants us to talk, talk about Kansas. Yeah. So let's just hand out the awards. Right. Justin Moore is the um, alpha dog of the week. Week. <laughs> alpha dog of the week. Wow. Alpha, alpha dog of the week. Arf, arf. Congratulations, this- Justin Moore. It's the third time he was named Biggie's freshman player of the week. Absolutely. Dude's legit. Coming on strong. Progressing. Getting better. Liking the way he's kind of changed his game a little bit. I thought he was a little bit, just a little bit too trigger happy earlier on. I think he still has some of that, but it's a little bit more... Phil Boothy now. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you on the Justin Moore train? Are you I, on the? Do you want more, more? I want more, more. But I've always wanted more. I've always been fine with more. I've always liked more. I always said it. like I always like I like the look about him. He just looks like an intense guy. I think he like <laughs> comes across like he's, he's probably like, like the nicest guy. Really ever. focused. Yeah, I'm not debating. He's not the intensity has nothing to do with nice. Um, but he just looks like he comes across super focused, like a very hard competitor, and I like that about him. Yeah. I just thought that he wasn't playing 100% in the system early on, which is not to be expected necessarily of all freshmen. Sure. So it wasn't like a knock. It just was a what I felt was a something that was reality-based, what I was seeing at the time. And yeah. now he seems to already be kind of – working his way through that. Well, and it's I think part of what you're saying, if I'm kind of reading be- between the lines, is he was very much, you know, even early on in the season, very much just taking the ball and attacking the hoop. And it it did seem like a little bit like he was just kind of going alone doing it, but he very much, he is very much in a role now where he is expected to attack the hoop and is continuing to do that. But it does seem to be in the flow of the offense a little more. Like he stepped into that. We need somebody to do that because as we've discussed, we really don't have people who are able to do that this year. So he's continuing to progress, which is awesome. And yeah, hopefully he continues on. Yeah. And then Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week. I don't know. Nothing, nothing really, nothing too exciting. Know, they, nothing really stands out. I'm gonna give it to the NCAA for holding out Dylan Painter. Might have made the difference in the game. 
Yeah, that game was too close. <laughs> the game was too close. It was just one of those things where, like, a big brother is holding a little brother's forehead, like, and the little brother's trying to swing <laughs> and hit the guy, and that's kind of how we played the entire game. Yeah, it's, it's pretty true. And it was just, like, between, like, three and eight points the entire game, just yeah. in that territory. Too close for comfort, but it's a win. No one cares. Absolutely. All right. So, Kansas. Yes. So, rock, chalk, yeah, all right, enough of that. We're done. Um, so, we're playing KU. It's going to be at the Wells Fargo Center, noon on Saturday. Big game. They're number one ranked. Yeah, that's awesome. Number one ranked opponent comes to visit Villanova. Should be super exciting. I think I've heard this story before. Yeah. And I think we usually win this story. <laughs> yeah, we, we tend to win this story <laughs> actually quite a bit. Um, but I want to talk, before we just launch into the game, I want to talk about there seems to be two opponents that I feel like always seem to be a measuring stick, a status of the program, gut check type opponents. And that's Kansas. And Rutgers. And Rutgers. And North Carolina. <laughs> really went out on a limb here with Kansas and North Carolina. They're like two of the top like four programs of all time. But yes. Yeah. Yes. Really, I understand not going that far on a limb. But it just seems like, in, especially in the Jay Wright era, that those two programs have been the programs of, of choice, so to speak, in that we've played them a lot more. And it's interesting because we've only played Duke once. That's true, actually. In, it's kind of interesting. I think in Jay Wright's term. And... And then we've played Kentucky once, but it was before the Kalapari years. And then Michigan State, have we? We played Michigan State a long time okay, ago. Okay, okay. A long time ago. We actually beat them. Oh, interesting. This was like before, this was like when, I don't even know if Foy was there. Okay. This was like going way oh, back, okay, early okay. Jay yeah, Wright yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Right. So Jay had a couple big wins. We'll just talk to you a little chronology here. Jay had a couple big wins. There was, a, there was the Michigan State game that we had. There was the UCLA game that we had back. Before his You're talking like oh two. I'm talking way back. <laughs> yeah, but the phone re- card scandal timeline. Yeah. But if you're talking about what win jump started the Jay Wright era of Villanova basketball, all signs point to Kansas in 2005 blizzard game. Yeah, it was. Randy Foy and Alan Ray's junior year. Kyle Lowry's a freshman. Kyle. Kyle. Kyle was a freshman at the time. Curtis Sumter, Jason Frazier, like the, whole, the whole lineup of so teams great that names. just should have won a national championship, but neither here nor there. They did not. But they were Jay's first recruiting class of any real consequence. They were the ones who came in and were just going to elevate the program new standards. And for all intents and purposes, even without reaching a Final Four, they absolutely did. They put Jay Wright's program on the map. And their win, their trademark win that really kicked off the whole era was a total annihilation. At the, at the time, it was the Wachovia Center. Yeah. Or was it like even before? For, was it like First Union or something weird well, like that? I don't even know. Well, we didn't even go to school yeah, at the yeah. time. That's true. So I didn't follow. I frankly did not follow Villanova basketball. I'm calling point. it the Wachovia Center. All right, we're going with it. And blew them out. Blizzard game. Jump started the era. We go on to make the Sweet 16 that year and lose a highly 
controversial game versus who? North Rutgers. Carolina. Um, <laughs> Rutgers. We couldn't play Rutgers in the, in the NCAA tournament because I don't think they've ever made it. So, uh, North Carolina. Okay. Fast forward a few years. So that kind of jump-started the program. Yep. Then the program kind of comes into a little bit more form. Um, we have we have that year, that 07-08 year that I kind of compare this team a lot to in that that team was young, had to grow throughout the year, had young leadership, etc. We had a rough patch throughout the middle of the season. Then we come out, make the NCAA tournament like literally the last year team in, beat Clemson as the five seed. Great comeback win. Great comeback win. Yeah. Beat Siena, who was the 13 seed. Yeah, quality win. Quality win, real tough. Hey, hey, you don't pick your opponents. Yeah, you don't pick your opponents. Man, I would die for just like one year where we get like an easy second round yeah, opponent. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, just like how about that for a chance? <laughs> um, and then we played KU in 08. Everyone knows they went on to win the national championship that year. We got absolutely fucking demolished. They, sh- they shat all over Yes, us. but it was a... Sign to the program that, like, hey, yes, you've come a little bit further, but you're not where we are. I mean, we, we, they were, that team was not in Kansas's class. Kansas was, yeah. as you said, the national champion. They were in a different realm. Then. Yeah, they the, were in a different realm. The, those, those guys in Memphis were just top of, the, top of the top. No question. Yeah. Okay. One year later, we played North Carolina in the Final Four, where they demolished us. Mm. Um, but we made the Final Four, so it was like it always seems to— Our measuring seems, sticks. We're not, we're not getting it done. Yeah, we always seems to come across to those measuring sticks. Then we have the whole—we covered this all in the last pod, the decade review. We had the yeah. whole destruction of the program, etc. We come back, finally. We make the tournament that one year where we had the Syracuse and Louisville and Georgetown wins at the Wells Fargo Center. And we play North Carolina in the first round of the tournament and get knocked out. We lost by like eight or nine yeah. or something oh, like that. Yeah, we had a chance that in was that game. That one was of an annoying games. game. Yeah, it was an annoying game. We, it was an 8-9 game, wasn't it? It, it was an 8-9 game. Ugh. Yeah, it was an 8-9 game. I think they had I think we lost to James McAdoo, who was like their big player at the time, if I recall correctly. Yeah. It was like nobody. But, yeah, you know. no. I, but it was one of those games where it was like you didn't feel bad about that loss because you felt like, oh, my God, thank God, we kind of came out of the last couple of years were so bad. This That season felt like we were on the upswing yeah. at the end. that's true. One year later, we played the tournament down in the Bahamas. Yes. Semifinals versus Kansas. Yes. Ryan Archidiacono hits a three-pointer for the ages. It wasn't a buzzer beater, but it was effectively effectively, yeah. effectively a buzzer beater. Against that team was awesome. That team with Wiggins, Bede. And Bede, yeah. Team was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and that was the 2013-24. 14 season? I think that's right, yeah. Yes, that yeah. was the year we lost to UConn. But but that was the jump start. That win kick-started what is now called the golden era of Villanova basketball. Yeah, because we followed that with the, the win to against Iowa, Iowa, and then that put us in the top 25 and just kind of ran it down. And then we ran it down, and then, and then we were two-seed that year. We know how that ended disappointingly. The following year also ended disappointingly. Then we come to 2016. We played Kansas in the Elite Eight. That's right. Against the ageless wonder, Perry Ellis. Against the <laughs> Perry Ellis. Um, that, dude, was, that dude was came out of the womb bald. He was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he never had hair. Yeah, he had like Sam. He was like Sam Young. Yeah. From like Pittsburgh yeah, yeah, yeah. back in the day. Just looked 
100 years old from day one. He's got that YM. He's got that Jalen Brunson YMCA game, man. He's probably posting up in the Y right now. <laughs> probably so, not even getting picked first. The guy's like, oh, this guy's too old. Yeah, we play Kansas. We beat them. We make the Final Four. Again, a bellwether moment program for the program. Two games later, we play who? Rutgers. Rutgers for the national championship where... Chris Jenkins hits a buzzer beating. <laughs> I've heard about that shot. Yeah. North Carolina, a.k.a. Rutgers. A.k.a. Rutgers, yeah. Okay. Two years after that, we're in the Final Four, and we play Kansas. So it seems like Kansas and UNC always seem to be these these teams that seem to mean just a, these games that seem to just mean a little bit more than other games, not just because it's a blue blood, but because of the way it becomes a measuring stick for the program and where we are as a program. I preface all of that with saying last year we lost a close game. Yeah. At Allen Fieldhouse. We weren't really expected to win. We weren't expected to win. Frankly, that game was closer than I expected. Precisely. Agreed. Right. And we had lost to Penn earlier that week and we had the whole JQ drama. Yeah, luckily the, JQ came out and scored, I think, 24 or so against Kansas. He yeah. really just laid his, his legacy. Ca- carried the team. Carried the team. Yeah. <laughs> but now we have Kansas with a young team at the Wells Fargo Center again in the winter, and we have a chance to make a statement win that could catapult this young team to the heights reached by its immediate predecessors. Wow. That would be, and I think what you're getting at there is saying, hey, if we win, that's not saying we're going to make the Final Four this year, but it could very well indicate that this team has the makings for a deep run this year, next, next year, year right. whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. It gets gets you that quality win, which I think need. that if this team makes the makes the champ like the Final Four or the championship or even the Elite Eight in the next year in this year or the following year or the year after that, and the composition of the team is largely the same, you will point back, if we win this game, you'll yeah. point back to this game as the as the game that kind of rebooted, so to speak, the Villanova basketball golden age mm. and kept it alive and kept the tradition going yeah. with what was those five years where we were the one or two seed every single year in a row. You're not. You're probably not wrong. And because I'm guaranteeing a Final Four next year, you're going to be right. I just guarantee that you're going to be right. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. How's it feel to know you're going to be right? I, it's now? it's. You know what? It's actually kind of common. I typically am right. Actually, this year we're definitely right. Yeah, yeah. We've been we've been right more often than not. You're early, so yeah. Okay, so all of that one gigantic tee up to just say how important this game is coming up this Saturday. And what it could mean for the program. But how important is it? Because yeah. let's play the other side of it. How we impo- don't win. Yeah. So how important is it for this team this year, etc.? Yeah. Right. Like like focusing on forget the forget the like the signs and indicators of where the program's at and blah 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 and all that noise that I just spent you know ten minutes talking about. <laughs> but forgetting all of that, what does it mean this year for this team's chances? Not a lot. Actually, yeah. not a lot. I'm predicting a loss. Okay. I'm predicting a win. We'll get into the yeah. nature of the game a little bit later. And for those of you listening, being like, whoa, Chris, you've been sort of down on the team. Nope. This is the exact type of team, type of game that a young team all coalesces and comes together and looks way better and plays way above their current aptitude. 
That's why I think we're going to win, but I'll get, again, more on that later. Okay. It doesn't mean a whole lot because you're getting visited by number one. Yes, it's a massive opportunity. Yes, to win that game will catapult the team into a different echelon, so to speak, of where their ultimate seeding could be in the NCAA tournament, etc. Also, the Big East is really good top to bottom, so there's going to be a lot of opportunities for solid wins, but not a lot of opportunities for outstanding wins. So this is... Seton Hall's taking care of that. Yeah, Jesus. Um, So you have a real... This is the team's real shot to take on and get that trademark victory for the conference and for the program going into March at the end of the year to say, okay, here's our trademark win. Here's what we're capable of. And oh, by the way, we also racked up all these wins. So here's our resume. Now give me a three or four seed. Because realistically, nobody else in the Big East is going to end up, I'll be shocked if they end up higher than ranked number 15 this year. Yeah, because of the nature of the of the schools, it's like the Big Ten. It's like sorry, it's like the Big Twelve a couple of years ago. But all the schools are a little bit worse than. I, yeah. I was going to say, yeah they're, yeah, they're a little bit worse. So, and it's not like you know, you look at Xavier, you look at Butler, like they're just not made up to really get into the top fifteen and give us wins that we can hang our hats on. They're going to be nice wins. Yeah, this is a great win if we can get it. The Big East has like nine teams, sorry, eight or nine teams, like legitimately who could make the tournament between like. Seeds like five and eleven, maybe stretching a little bit. But yeah, I see your point. You see, yeah, you see how it shakes out. Nine yeah. different teams. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be nine game teams in right. the tournament. It's gonna be like five, six, seven max. Right. But like, there are no shit losses. You're, you're no. There's no shit losses. So yeah. so yeah. Once we get into conference, there's not gonna be an opportunity for like a bad loss. Yeah. But there's not gonna. On the contrary, there's also not gonna be an opportunity for an outstanding win. So. Yes, it doesn't mean – I still believe that it doesn't mean a whole lot because either way, you still get a strength of schedule bump. You're still getting number one in. You're still getting a lot of eyes on you. And if you play well, if we play well, don't get Ohio State if we don't get blown out. Sure. Right? Then it's still a productive game and there's going to be a lot of good game film. Kansas is really good. There's going to be a lot to learn from that game. So it could benefit us long run. And um, Palapari has a – John Calipari, who's the head coach of Kentucky, has a great saying about this is like called early on in the season, this is a a win or learn type of scenario. Yeah. And I think that's a scenario that we're in. Yeah. And I mean if if I think about it, if we lose but still end up with a really strong big east record as the team kind of comes together a little bit more, you could still peek out at, you know, probably like a a three seed at the very high end. You'd have to you'd have to be the odds on winner of the conference to get that. Probably true. But but you could do it. Yeah, you, you could. could do it. But I mean realistically now you're talking like a four, a five if you don't pick up that Kansas win. Right. Just seeing assuming we'll pick up a few losses down yeah. there. So it's not one of those games that's gonna bar us from making the NCAA tournament no, if we not. lose. Like we don't need it. No, it least. is not a must win. No, to be this clear. is not a must win. It's a it's a game that if we can win will mean a lot come March. It's a, ge- it's a game that if we don't win, we'll be productive as we get towards the back end of the season for helping the team continue to improve. And, and I think you got to think from a player perspective, a win against Kansas, especially for a young team, means a lot because these guys all know they can play and they can play well. 
But when you can look back and say, yeah, we fucking beat number one. Yeah. Like, this is our house. We know how to get this done. Yeah. That's going to go a long way to bring these guys together and give them a little bit more confidence to say, yeah, forget these Big East guys. We'll take care of business here. And it gets them thinking even a little bit higher about what they could potentially achieve as a yeah. team this year. Yep. And I'd love to see that. I'd love to see it too. Yeah. So knowing all of that, when does Villanova schedule the game? Over break. Yep. Seems about right. <laughs> it. This is... I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. Not that I, you know, not to say I haven't been ranting the entire. I, I was going to say this is a, this is a Chris Blyde rant podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's just incomprehensible. And I understand there could be scheduling conflicts, and there's a lot of probable yeah. reasons why this had to happen on this day, etc. I would not want to be a sports scheduler. It would be a huge pain in the ass. It would be. Yeah. No question. No question. But point I mean, being, point being, this is stupid. We're playing a fucking break game against the number one team in the country. We knew they were going to be good, right? Like, you're, you don't schedule Kansas thinking, eh, that might be, like, maybe top 25. Like, <laughs> right, right. Like, like, you know, like, you scheduled at the Wells Fargo Center. You know what you're going to get here, right? And you allot, like, they allot, like, 5,000 tickets plus, five to 6,000 tickets for, no, not, sorry, 1,500, no, 2,000 to 3,000 tickets for students to attend this game. They had a lot of student tickets for like half the freaking undergrad population yeah. of the school. And then you put it over break. It just is like, it just seems like a borderline irresponsible. And why I say this, finals end, people go home. Because unless you live, and I grant it, Villanova has a lot of people who are from the Philadelphia, Maryland, New Jersey, New York area, right? You get a lot of that. You want the students there it creates a natural advantage to have the students there you know they'll be into it you know they'll be fired up you want the students to be there so they schedule a game over break which basically gets rid of the advantage that we would otherwise have well and the weird thing is too they're clearly still having trouble like selling these tickets like i literally got an email yesterday from athletics saying purchase your tickets for the game yeah like, what are we doing here? Right, it's over the holiday, right? Yeah. That, that adds to it, too, right? It's over yeah. the holiday. Yeah, Neil, now we are into holiday week. Yes. It is, yeah, so it, you, it's crazy. Yeah, you have holiday week, students are home, etc. And now it's just like, why are we playing this game this weekend? Yeah. I, I'm excited about it. It's enormous, but it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And... I would have a little bit less of a problem with this if this wasn't seeming to be a pattern of behavior. I feel like all the big Wells Fargo games or a lot of big Wells Fargo games come over a friggin' winter break or a, a spring break, I mean. Yeah. Like, it, and, and winter break. And it's just like, it, it's, it just happened when we were students. But, but the thing is, too, it's, it, it's one thing for Villanova to be like, hey, look, that's what the schedule dictated. Like, we couldn't get a different day. The kicker, though, is there's always no way for the students to stick around yes. on campus for another day or so yeah, afterwards. You and I were talking about this. Like it's this it's, is this is crazy. We I don't know how many games we tried to do this during undergrad. Like, can we stay around? Nope. Gotta empty the dorms. Like, come on. Like, yeah. like one of the nights, like, yes, trouble can happen on campus. Guess what? Trouble can happen any night on campus. Yeah. Like this Correct. is ridiculous. I get it, because they don't have responsibilities, etc. Sure. You know what? You have to fill out a form. P- Security comes on checks on you. They do a round. Yeah. Right? You got a public safety there anyway. Yeah. Right? So you just say, you're going to stay an extra night. You got to fill out this form. 
pay 25 bucks. I don't know what the number is. 10 bucks. And you can stay through the game. You have the same student busing that we always do. Yeah. We bust you to the game. We bust you back and then get the fuck out of here. And guess what? Students don't have responsibilities on typical Saturday nights either. Yeah. And campus seems to survive. Right. Yeah. We seem to all survive. Like, this isn't like a unique circumstance that the no. school is dealing with. Here. No. No. Just requires a little creative thought, which is not Villanova Strong suit. No, not. And it's just, it, this is the type of stuff that really gets me upset because you do all this. You sell yourself as a basketball school. You sell the university. You sell students on coming to the university on some of the camaraderie that you get from going to the basketball games and, and the fun experience that that is. And then the biggest game, that's the biggest home game that we're going to play in like, I don't know, this is like five years plus. I, I, I can't wow. think of a lot of bigger home games. I mean, we played Michigan last year, but it still didn't have yeah, – yeah, yeah. it wasn't this. It wasn't number one yeah. in town. It's like the biggest home game since that Syracuse-Louisville Georgetown year. It's kind of wild. So you're playing like one of the biggest home games in years, and it's over freaking break. Wow. I just did a quick check to see what tickets I could buy. This is, again, Tuesday before the game. I just did two tickets, best available. I can get upper-level center court. Like, I shouldn't be able to buy those. No. That's silly. No. Anyway. Anyway. So if you're at Villanova and you're listening to this, figure it out. Make a call for the future where during break games, students can come back and stay in the dorms and can go to the games for maybe a small fee. I guarantee you'd get it. 100%. Call it a donation. Get the staff. Maybe you have a skeleton staff. You don't need everyone because some people will still go home as soon as their finals are over. Sure. Call a skeleton staff. Get them on board and do it. It just doesn't make sense to not do that. I agree. All right. Should we actually talk about the game? Yeah, I think at this point, we should now talk about the game. All right. So, Kansas, number one, a lot of reasons why. The two biggest reasons why are Devon Dotson and Adoka Azubuke. I believe it's Devin Dotson. Devin Dotson, sorry. I keep on, I see that name and I keep on to say Devon. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Dotson and Azubuke. Dotson averages 20 a game. Yeah. He's, five, five star recruit. It's great. He's, he's legit. Great. Yeah. And as a bouquet, we've played him. Oh, we know him. We know him well. Spellman worked him. Oh, my God. In the 2018 Final Four. That game was amazing. But there's a lesson to be learned from that, Rob. Please, tell me, Chris. The lesson was, if you have a mobile big man who can guard multiple positions and you can spread the floor... With Azabuge, you fucking spread the floor. Absolutely. Omari ran him ragged two years ago. Now, Azabuge is in better shape and better condition than oh, he was. He's in way better shape. But yeah. still, he's not fast. No, he's not fast. You're going to run him into the ground. He's going to have to sub out. you got to use JRE to his advantage. Because I can tell you what won't be his advantage. <laughs> Down low. Oh, my God. He is going to get JRE. We love him to death. He's going to get worked. Yeah. So so you have offensive, defensive, you have different styles of play here. With us, we got to spread the floor as much as possible, use the guards, grab a piece of the paint, kick it out, get JRE running around. JRE's got, if anything, JRE has excellent physical conditioning. Yeah. So he can play significant minutes. Get him running as a bouquet ragged. Make 100%. them go to a zone defense so that Azubuki can stay put, and then that way we can start teeing off from deep. That is the game plan. 
Yes. That's the game plan that we employed in the 2018 Final Four. That's the game plan that we employed in the 2016 Elite Eight. That's the game plan that we employed um, in the 2013 Bahamas tournament. Like that is how you win it. Even to a certain degree, that's the that's the style that we employed last year, where we almost beat a team who we should have no business yeah. being in the gym with them. Absolutely. Last year. Okay. So that's how you do it offensively, defensively, and get as a bouquet in foul trouble. Yeah, you got to get as a bouquet in foul trouble. But the way you do that is you get him tired. Sure. Right. So you get the guy tired. He starts defending with his hands, not his feet. That's that's what you got to do. JRE has to be on the move all the time in that game. Next up, defensively, JRE. We do. This is just a difference from the last couple of years. Even when we had Spellman, etc., we had big men who were capable of physic being physically matching up at least to a degree with a guy the size and strength of Azabuki. Not necessarily all the way, but at least on given plays, etc., we're able to manage that. Spellman had a bigger body. Um, Pascal had a bigger body. Azabuki um, and Chef didn't cross paths, but Chef had... That would have been a battle. Yeah, oh, man. Chef was a big body. So, so what are we going to do? We're going to burn Dixon's red shirt. Yeah. We're going to put him on the floor, baby. Yeah. Eat up those fouls. No, Big boy against big boy. Yeah, I would love to burn the red shirt for this game, but uh, uh, unfortunately I don't think that's in the cards. So, I think Azubuke would still work Dixon. Oh, yeah. No, no question He's about that. He's got like that. four inches on him. But at least Dixon would have more of a physical presence yeah. underneath. So we don't really have that guy this year. We are tall, thin, lanky, athletic this year. Not... We do not have a big, strong, big man yeah. inside. You you may want to. And we go, don't have a guy like a Pascal either. You may want to do a little uh, Haka Azabuke though. He's a terrible free throw. Yeah, shooter. he's not good. He shoots below fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, he's not good. And if it comes down to it, you got to get him on the line. Yeah, he is um, absolutely abysmal. And I mean, there have been games. I remember a couple of years ago when Azabuke was a, a younger player. When Self would pull him off the court late in the game because he was such a liability. And I remember there's one game in particular I watched where Self left him in and actually apologized to him at the end because he missed so many free throws. And he's yeah. like, I should have taken him out. Yeah. And good news is he has not improved that ability Yeah. over over his three to four years at, uh, on campus. The problem with him this year versus in prior years is that in with his strength and conditioning now, he has the ability to power through getting fouled and still score the bucket. So if we're going to foul around the rim with him, it better be hard. Yeah. He, it better be. It better alter the shot so he doesn't get it in because otherwise we're going to foul him a lot underneath and he's going to already have converted the two points and be shooting for a, a, a third. I mean, he shoot, yeah, you're right. He shoots 83% from the field because basically everything is a dunk or a layup. Yes. Like he doesn't he doesn't shoot a, a step back or anything like right, that. Right, right. He doesn't have – his game is underneath. He's got a DCR underneath game basically. Yeah, except but he has the way body. Way more polished yeah. and a lot more strength. Right. So on defense with him, you got to help. But you got to be careful with the help because Kansas is a really good shooting team. They're, they are a good shooting team. They don't shoot a ton of free throw or of three pointers. Of so. three pointers, but like they have they, a couple guys who are like north of thirty seven percent shooting. Yeah. So as a team, they shoot thirty seven percent, but they only attempt. They're like the two hundred fiftieth team in in terms of three pointer attempts per game. So they they don't shoot a lot. Point being, though, if we're going to help underneath, we're going to undoubtedly there's going to be opportunities to 
for them to get open looks. Yeah, I mean, Dotson, Dotson and Isaiah Moss are the guys who are going to be taking... Oh, actually... Oh, yeah, that guy is too. Uh, Abaji. Yeah. Is, yeah, those are the three guys who are going to shoot the three. And they each take, wow, four to five a game. And then Garrett and Moss are also shooters too. They, they can shoot. So <laughs> Garrett doesn't shoot all that much though. Now, why are we going to win? I said it before, I'll say it again. Young team gets really focused and hyped for big games at home. Now, granted, it's not going to be a traditional home game because there's going to be no one fucking there. It's going to be the energy's going to suck. But big game at home nonetheless. Family's in town. Everyone's excited. Number one, this is your first opportunity at home to make a statement win. I just feel like the team will coalesce and they'll look like a different team than the one that we've been seeing for the last few weeks, which is kind of just kind of meandering through this schedule um, understandably so, candidly. It's been so bad. Who's your X factor? It almost seems like it has to be Jerry. Just because if he can uh, if we can make them pay and make Azubuke work, even if he doesn't score all that much, if he can make Azubuke work on our offensive end and then just be somewhat reasonably serviceable on the defensive end, I think that is the X factor that will change the game and put it into our favor. Yeah, I think I think Jerry's the guy that if at the end of the game he's got, you know, sixteen or, or whatever it is, we're probably in the game or winning the game yeah. at the very end. Yeah. I think for me though, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I see a, a little Cole Swider game right now. A Cole Swider makes sense because he's the guy who can tee off and, and, and drill a bunch from deep. He's he also would... he's also not showing up on the scouting report at this point. Like if I'm if I'm Bill Self right now. What am I talking about? More. I'm talking about Justin Gillespie, Moore, Gillespie, Sadiq Bey, and JRE. Yeah. Because I'm Bill Self and I'm a Hall of Fame coach, and I know that Jay Wright is talking exactly what we just talked, that, hey, we're going to run as a bouquet into the ground. Yeah. So Cole Swider gets a little bit of a pass from the scouting plan. Now, don't be surprised if defensively... Jay throws some different looks at as a bouquet with maybe like Bay underneath too. Hey, Bay, Bay. And, and Samuels. Yeah. Just because he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to relieve JRE a couple, a little bit. Yeah, and 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 we play a switching defense anyway. But if if there's gonna be like desired switches, it's gonna be to get beat Bay on to Azubuke or Samuels on to Azubuke. Yeah, and it's options. gonna be it's gonna be to do that to one obviously try to keep the fouls down and also try to keep JRE a bit fresh. Like it's gotta be so physically draining to try to go down there and be posting up with a guy like Azapuke, yeah, who is so polished. Like, we saw what happened to JRE when he played Caleb Wesson, and Azapuke is arguably a more polished finisher underneath similar body type. So it could be a, a very similar game. Yeah. I still think we're going to come out firing in all cylinders. We're going to throw a big, heavy punch early in the game, and I think we're going to then... Settle in a little bit. The game will get a little bit even, and then I, but then I think What's we're going to go. Score? I think we're going to be up like three or four at half. Ooh, okay. I think we're going to start up like ten, and then the crowd, to the extent there is one, is going to be into it, and then Kansas is going to salt it away, and then at halftime it's going to get closer. But then I think we'll start to open it up again. Okay. I think I just think we're going to win this game. I, the other thing I think too is that Kansas has looked really good, but after they lost to Duke. In that opening game, they haven't played anybody. Sure, yeah. So we've played people, so we've actually had some more tightly contested games. Kansas looked really good blowing everybody out. Sure. So we haven't blown teams out that we should have maybe blown out of late. But we've played more competitive games. I just feel like 
right this second, all the circumstances that are at play, I think that we're a little bit fresher and I think that we're going to come out and we're going to come in with a big heavyweight punch in the beginning. And I think we're just going to find a way to win the game. I hope you're right. I, I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately. I think we're going to be down a few at halftime and we'll have had to claw our way back to get to that down a few. And I just think I think Kansas is going to put it away at the end. By the way, I think if we win this game, we're going to lose to Xavier. <laughs> I, I, again, this goes back to it's a young yeah. team. Yeah. The, the whole process, it's a young team. They get up for games and then they, get, and then they have emotional highs and lows. So they don't prepare. They might do the activities of preparation, but there's physical preparation and like going about that process and then there's mental preparation and approaching it more like a professional and what we've gotten used to is these is are these players who have been very seasoned players and approach every game like a professional and i just think that the team right now is not yet there broadly speaking certain players are like a gillespie etc sure sure uh but not everyone is cool um I also think that this is a game for Samuels to be the Samuels of the. That end. was that was my other X factor. Yeah, and Jermaine, unfortunately, this year has been an X factor. Yeah, um, and we had said earlier in the year, towards the back end of last year, we were calling Jermaine an X factor in a good way. If we kept calling Jermaine an X factor, it would be in a bad way, and it's because he's an X factor in that he should be an All Star on this team, and he's doing this disappearing act every yeah. now and then. I still think he'll get it together, but he needs to transition from X factor to like focal point. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, we have this game. We have Xavier in nine days. Again, after that, the schedule has been absolutely chaotic in that. We never seem to be playing, and so we always look rusty. But I don't think it's going to happen versus KU for all the reasons I mentioned. Number one team, etc. at home. I just think we're going to come out hyper-focused. Finally, after the Xavier game, we play games every three or four or five days. And it's going to be a much more in-rhythm season after that. Should we wrap it up? I think that's it. We're going to be back after this, uh, after the game. We'll do a full Kansas game recap. We're going to be at the game. Looking Indeed. forward to it. And then, and then we're going to preview Xavier uh, before we come back uh, for the end of the season. Cool. I mean, the end of the um, end of the year, and then looking into the 2020 calendar year. Sounds like a plan. All awesome. Right. Well, that's it. That's all we got for you. Thanks everyone for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. Let's go Nova.